everybody. We are here today at the Ron Johnson Holy Ghost Discipleship <laughs> Podcast. This is going to change your life because we're going to talk about life-changing issues. And here is Pastor Ron. <laughs> hey. I'm giving that a 10, all right? that That's a 10 out of 10. That is, that is, and I don't give out many 10s, so we give out a lot of hand claps, but that was, well, okay. that was the best because the Holy uh, Ghost podcast. I might have, Matthew, we might have to add that to the name of the podcast, put the Holy Ghost in yeah, there. Yeah, you got to have the Holy Ghost yeah. in there because it doesn't sound the same if it's just normal. It takes it to a whole new level. you got to capture the minds of the people. Something spectacular. Uh, amen, come on. So, uh, well, uh, let me introduce this amazing man. It says he did such a great job kicking off the podcast. This is Ivan Tate. Uh, we have been blessed uh, in our friendship with you, Ivan, over the years. He is in charge or leads, uh, well, actually the Holy Spirit leads, but he operates What Matters Ministry and Missions uh, with bases in Guatemala and in Africa. And I love uh, y- your recipe that God has given you is, is simple and powerful. Uh, rescue orphans, care for the widows feed the poor, and of course, that's James one twenty seven. pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and the widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. And so I'm excited to sit and chat yeah, with you this morning because awesome. those are big things. This is my favorite thing to do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Talk about uh, you and your precious wife, Kimberly, uh, yep. were apprehended by the Lord years ago to start uh, the, the amazing work that you're doing with orphans and widows in two two continents now, yeah. uh, or countries. Uh, so talk about that a little bit, because that's fascinating. Uh, it's a multifaceted thing, but yeah, we started that. Let's see, I was 19 when I started building my first church in a foreign country, and then have gone from there. It's about 51 years. Uh, but it's very exciting, you know. Once you find your life calling, it alters all your priorities, because yeah. your priorities change once you have a focused purpose. Once you so have as, that. As a teenager, yeah. the Lord began speaking to you about the nations and, yeah. and about the widows and orphans as well. Yeah, I come from a place right near the border of Mexico. And so um, we just would cross over all the time, mm-hmm. you know, growing up. But uh, when I was young, uh, very young, my grandmother, my uh, mother's side is Spanish. And uh, so she would take me across the border every Friday to get food and things like that because she had a restaurant. And I would cry a lot because of the people that were there with yeah. no legs, no arms, blind and everything. And it would yeah. just, I don't know, it would terrify me. Yeah. So she gave me a bag of pennies and said, put them in the cups. And that, that got me to stop crying. Wow. And then when I was about 18, I said, Lord, what is it you want me to do with my life? And he said, remember the pennies. I said, oh, okay. Wow. So you want me to take care of orphans, widows, feed the poor, build a local church and win souls? Said, yep. That's what I want you to do. Wow. I, I love the way God shapes our destiny in practical ways. You know, not many people like yourself have the opportunity of having that cross-cultural experience. And we've talked about when you leave America and you see the, the dire needs across the nations of the world, mm-hmm. it cannot help but mark you. And so even as a little boy, God was already marking your heart. And then the pennies were prophetic uh, because yeah, yeah. You, you knew exactly what God meant. I uh, knew exactly what God meant. Wow. Yeah. And we've done it. Uh, since 1972, and uh, haven't veered from it. We'll just keep doing it. Uh, My wife, of course, who is like the 
nuts and bolts of everything yeah. in Guatemala and Africa, along with my daughters who live there and their husbands and all 18 of the grandchildren. So it's a family affair. It's a very, yeah, it's a, it's a family affair. Being that I travel every week and have done so for, you know, 40 years, I I wouldn't have been able to do it without my wife's permission. Yeah. yeah. And also with her, you know, coming. But all the kids are preachers, thank God. They're all flowing in the Holy Spirit. They're all anointed. They're all of orphans and widows, the poor. Yeah. If you if you soak your children in in the the feet of the poor and orphans and widows, it reshapes their heart. Yeah. They are no longer prone to worldly interest. Yeah. They become very kingdom. Minded. Yeah. Well, I was a youth pastor for many, many years, and I can attest to the fact that, you know, one week overseas uh, with the poor, uh, it, it was more powerful ministry than 52 weeks of normal yeah. youth ministry. There's just something about getting out of the culture, yeah. out of the blessing, and really getting close to uh, to the needs and to, into the pain in people's lives. Yeah. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about that, though, just as far as an update on the on the ministries themselves. You were showing me some pictures of of a building that's taking place even now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw an amazing video. Uh, it looks like the, the entire top of a mountain uh, or mountainside that you guys have transformed into yeah. an incredible ministry from the tiniest of children all the way now up through college you're training them. Talk a little yep. bit about that because that's a monstrous... Yeah, so Casa Helena is located in Guatemala, and it is a city, really. It's... We've built it now since 2004, and uh, yeah, it's, we got hospitals, we got high school, we got college, we've got medical clinics, we've got uh, every kind of thing you can have for children, because yeah. the goal is that 90% of our children come from the sex trade, the rest of them come from the trash dump, our very abusive homes, right, right. and so to restore children like that... It takes a lot more than just casual care. Yeah. You have to get way inside there, reshape their mind, reshape their identity, uh, heal all the wounds, heal the brokenness, love them out of self-hate, love them out of indifference, literally re-raise them internally. And then externally, they begin to show the fruit of that, which is education mm-hmm. and the power of knowledge. And for them to be educated in an academically, socially, and spiritually, those three ways. And then as they as they hold on to that, then they start wanting to really do something great with their lives. We have about 40 children in, in university right now. Wow. Studying you, doctors, lawyers, engineers, architects, whatever you can think of, you know, in every and way. And you were sharing some of these children have come straight from the literally the garbage dump yep. to now being the top of their class nationwide. Yeah. Yep, yep, that's right. We have... Uh, uh, several, two, one, one, one uh, boy who is now my grandson because he was adopted by my daughter uh, with his three siblings, but he was voted the, the number one student in Guatemala th- uh, four years in a row. <laughs> I think- Academically, he was uh, way out there physics, things like that at a very young age. That's incredible. I, I can't think of a better picture of the Lord's heart and redemption and a picture yeah. of what Jesus wants to do in all yeah. of our lives. Uh, but you deal with these extreme cases. And uh, and I guess that leads me to another topic is this is not 
natural ministry. I mean, you're not just employing psychologists and sociologists and nutritionists and all these kind of things. Um, not that there's not a place for some of that, but you're dealing with kids with such profound brokenness and damage, sexual abuse. Um, like we need, we need help from heaven, right? To get, to, yeah. we need supernatural power to, yeah. to see a transformation in the lives of these, of these kids. And I want you to talk a little bit about that because the, the one thing I love about your visits to Living Stones, which uh, are always so impactful, is I think you challenge all of us to just believe God for more and to uh, not be normal. <laughs> and I love the way you, yeah. you encourage us to be supernaturally abnormal uh, right. and just to let, you know, God be God. Right. Talk about that, because I think so much of the church in America is really hamstrung by by unbelief and kind of business as usual, apart from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think something to, to take into account is God cannot be natural. God is supernatural. Yeah. If God walked in this room, something miraculous would happen. Right. It's not like Jesus can just come into a, a church and then nothing happen. He can't just sit next to you and you be the same right. when right. he leaves. And and so where you know God is in a church because miracles are happening. And you you know that that religion is in a church because man is in control and nothing miraculous happens. Boring. Yeah. You know, because God is a supernatural <clears throat> God. He knows we need supernatural solutions to our regular lives. Yeah. Healing, deliverance, freedom, love, caring, mending, encouraging, uplifting, purpose, destiny, direction, yep. all these kinds of things that require God's voice being able to be heard by somebody for their own lives. And that that is what I think is really changing right now. We are in a redefining time for the church worldwide yeah. Yeah. because what is happening now is Satan is no longer hiding. He's coming out, walking out in the open, using his regular name, calling everybody to be with him, and millions are going with him, yeah. including people from the church yeah. because of the candy that he offers. But what I tell people is always remember, if you if you take Satan's candy, you're going to have to pay taxes. And he requires taxes in pieces of your soul. Yes. He doesn't want money. He wants your soul. Yeah. And the more of it he can own, the better he can manipulate you. Yeah. And so we are in a movement all over the world beginning with revelation and then deliverance from the world, from the curses of life, from the demonic spirits from the DNA that we carry in our bodies yeah. and all the other outside factors that come into that, just the culture of the world, the mentality of the world, the attraction of the world, the pleasures of the world, all of that is being destroyed by a different kind of preaching that men and women who are preaching the gospel are now realizing we can no longer preach to please. We have to preach to transform. Yes. And that is a very different kind of ministry yeah. that's starting to be raised up. I love uh, your emphasis on keeping the Holy Spirit the center of everything, mm. as opposed to, as you just said, so many churches have, have tried the uh, the dangling carrot, you know, trying to please people, lead, lead them along, and hopefully they fall into the kingdom after we've created an environment where they're completely comfortable. But... Uh, 
I've noticed the Holy Spirit really is a pro at making us uncomfortable. In fact, it, you know, yeah. the word repentance means you got to repent and turn from the way you lived. And there's, you have, so in other words, you have to be offended by God before you can you can submit to God and realize He's right and agree with Him. Uh, and uh, and yet, so many churches yeah. are kind of drifting today into that wokeness and really shaping the gospel, or as you've talked about in a number of settings, kind of dumbing down the gospel. You you travel all over the world, and mm-hmm. uh, and it seems like in America, where we have so many resources, uh, we see so little of the power of God. Why do you think that is? Like why why you know people will say, well, how come when you go to Africa or you go here or you go there? Um, uh, they see more miracles than in America. Why, why is that the case? And what's our what's our problem? And how do we get cured from it? It's an overload of education and wrong things. So anytime that you get a fact that you believe, you form a conclusion. If the conclusion is anti-God, anti-Bible, then you have now placed yourself in a position where you cannot be reached, because now you have an intellectual reason for God not existing, or God not healing, or God not moving in power, or God not transforming. Once you lose your innocence of faith, like a child, to Mm -hmm. just trust God, His holy word, and believe that what He said is true, the promises He makes, He brings to pass. Simple faith is gone out of a lot of intellectuals because Satan's job is to create religions. Mm -hmm. The more of them he can create, make Jesus smaller and smaller, then Jesus becomes one of a thousand religions, one of a thousand saviors, one of a thousand this or thousand that. And then everybody's confused. They say, forget it. And so then everybody ends up just depending on their own reasoning, speculations, their own conclusions. And what you end up with is 8 billion people believing individually whatever they want. Sure. But there's got to be something sacred. Absolutely. You know? And uh, you made the comment, too, and I think it's so true. We, we tend to base our uh, theology or our doctrine on our lack of experience of the power of God. We, we dumb them down to justify our, our lack of experience. And I'm always challenged when you're here to, again, believe God for bigger things. Uh, we're in the process of a building project. You're, I watch your video and see all these these buildings that are not just, you know, we don't worship buildings, but I know there's ministry taking place in that whole complex. Mm-hmm. Um, you've branched out into Africa. Uh, it's just, I feel like God's trying to bring supernatural faith or maybe just genuine faith back into the church to, to start believing God for big things. Because I find that boring people... Like if churches are boring and the people are bored, those are the worst people in the world to pastor because they get right. to be nasty and mean. Right. <laughs> They're just, you know, and rightfully so because we're just going through the motion. Uh, but when when we're believing God, when we're moving, I think you shared last night, uh, you know, vultures never attack a moving cow uh, yeah, or, yeah. or eat a moving cow. Um People are looking to be led uh, in the church, and I think it's I think it's a, a word of encouragement and challenge to those of us uh, who are spiritual leaders responsible for pastoring God's people to not get complacent and to keep keep God's vision before us and yeah. for big things. If you don't have a purpose, then cannibalism begins. You you cannibalize yourself inwardly, and then you start cannibalizing others with accusations, criticism, fault finding, and complaining. All of that is cannibalism. Everything begins to eat itself because it doesn't have a divine part of heaven 
to follow and Chase just just to pause here because I'm cracking up because I've I've been a part of cannibalistic environments. Yeah, they're they're miserable. I never yeah, want to yeah. go back there. But but you understand why? You know, um, when people are out in the wilderness going like Moses yeah. and, and they're out running around a mountain for forty years because of their disobedience, they start eat, they start attacking and eating yeah. each other. And uh, yeah, there's there, I always think the world is so big and there's so many needs and the gospel is so exciting. Um, that why would we want to sit around fighting with each other? But it's true. It is so true. Whether it's a family or a church or a business, it's the same thing. Yeah. Purpose changes the priority. And so if people don't have a divine purpose, they don't have a divine atmosphere. So a church that doesn't have divine purposes doesn't create the atmosphere. So you have churches not winning souls, not helping the poor, not taking care of orphans, not helping widows, not building buildings, not having a vision for youth, not having a vision for children, not having any purposes. And so when they don't do that, all they can do is look at each other. And you really can't look at people too long because you really <laughs> will stumble. And then, uh, you know, if you don't have self-control, you'll start being critical and complaining. Yeah. And, yeah. and then you isolate yourself inwardly and then eventually you, you disconnect. Yes. Now you have a uh, another thing I, that you challenge us so well with, and that we see in all of our gatherings uh, when you're ministering is just a great anointing for souls. I, I've I've watched as you share. You have a great way of um, of making people laugh uh, one moment, making them cry the next moment, uh, sharing profound Holy Spirit truth. Um, but I think one thing that comes across as I've watched you minister is there's just a genuine love for people. You you have a way of sharing the truth, but not in a critical or judgmental way. And then when you give an invitation for healing and to come to the Lord and to submit your life to Christ, uh, it's just amazing, the anointing on your life. I mean, I, I know you see this everywhere. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that, the, the importance of evangelism in the church, and I guess what we can do to do a better job of reaching our, our lost neighbors. Yeah. I mean, the, the first thing is realizing Matthew you know, 4.19. I will make you fishers of men. Mm. And uh, basically the basic purpose that someone gets saved is not personal just for your own well-being. You, you have been rescued for a divine purpose to become a healer, to become a fisher, a person that catches souls. And I think the church has lost those priorities. Many churches never give altar calls. No one ever gets saved. Yeah. No one ever gets healed. There's nothing supernatural happening. And so people then settle in into religion, and then they get deceived, and they don't realize, wow, I need to challenge everything in me that's afraid of talking to people about Jesus, and I need to get educated in all the ways of fishing. Mm. How do you catch a soul? That is a very important part of spiritual education because you have to know how to catch a minnow and you have to know how to catch a shark and you need two different kinds of bait for yep. each one, yep. you know? Yep. And I think it's beautiful because with me, I wish I could take credit for like being something special about it. But honestly, since I was saved, uh, I've always had uh, whatever it is that that's called. Uh, you know, I got saved at 17. In about three months, we had almost... 90 athletes that were saved. Because you were a football player, yeah, baseball football, player. Yeah, football, baseball, basketball, everything. <clears throat> and and I was really good at it. And so because of that, I, people listened to what I had to say. And I got saved reading the Bible for the first time, leaning on a mesquite tree in South Texas. 
And then I would tell them, go to this tree, read this, and let's see what happens. And they would all do the same thing, and the same thing would happen. You know, everybody start crying. They would repent. They'd say, "Jesus saved me." You know, whatever you do, and uh, and ended up, you know, big revival breaking out you wow. know, from that, and then eventually a big church and things like that. So it's it's pretty pretty fabulous to watch somebody's family get saved, like the entire family, yes. and then years later you come back and. And maybe one of them is a pastor of a church now, yeah. and all of them are serving God. And this happens to me a lot because I've been doing this for so long. Yes, you know. Well, just just uh, this last week, um, we had a young lady who uh, testified it was a year ago when you came here, and she she was just coming to the Lord and just really getting her life right with God. But and you weren't even really moving in, in a prophetic flow as an emphasis that night. Um, but you pointed to her, and she was wearing a baseball cap, and you had her stand up, and you prophesied over her that God was going to use her to to bring her whole family in, that it would happen rapidly. Uh, and uh, and here, that we're exactly a year to the date from that prophetic word. Oh. And we just baptized her dad, her mom, wow. sisters and brothers. I wow. mean, these were people that were, were far from God, wow. that never would have considered uh, showing wow. up at a church like ours. That's awesome. And uh, and that, again, when you see this mm. and the power of the word of the Lord and watching the word of the Lord come true, I mean, it builds your faith and uh, and you realize, just open your mouth, talk, share, yeah, know, and yeah, God yeah. will do the rest. Well, on that subject, you know, the secret I have found through all these years of, of winning souls uh, is compassion. A human beings saved or unsaved, can sense compassion. Mm. And what compassion is, the actual meaning is to feel someone else's pain. When a human being detects that you genuinely care about them, this changes the conversation completely because they involuntarily open their heart up because they feel yes. by the sense they can trust what you're going to say. Yeah. No ulterior motives, no agendas, nothing. Just you matter, your life matters. I'm so sorry you're going through what you're going through. I'm so sorry you the pain in your life. I know that it's wrecked you, but here is the medicine, and here's how you get it. Yeah, This will cure you. I think in the church we've been guilty perhaps, sometimes at least, of, of either not preaching the truth and having a compassion that's not rooted in truth or preaching the truth without compassion where people feel uh, just criticized, judged, and feel like they cannot ever attain or that they're not even liked, you know, uh, the people there don't like them or care for them. Um, but compassion is a powerful thing, and, and that's what the Holy Spirit produces in our heart is the heart of Jesus for, for broken people. And like you said, people know it when they're loved, and that's yeah. something that I think we've really tried to create as an atmosphere, a church culture where uh, we just let people know. I, I goof around with them at our starting point class. I said, uh, one thing I know about everybody in this room, we're all messed up, so don't come here and try to pretend that you're not. It kind of lets people exhale. We, they laugh, uh, uh, but in most churches, it's just the opposite. Uh, everybody pretend like you're absolutely perfect, and as soon as we find out that you're not, you know, we're going to ship you out of here. So it's really disarming just yeah. to know that uh, you're at a safe place to be broken, but more yeah. importantly, you're, you're at a place that can heal you. Yeah. And that's a big deal. And uh, both of those are big deals. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I mean, my gosh, I mean, it's such a futile thing to try to be perfect. 
<laughs> so much hard work. <laughs> and we can't do it. So stressful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but letting God change you day by day by seeking him, pursuing him, obeying him, then the transformations, they come in, in, in rivers. And, and, and it's almost you're changing so fast you can't remember one change to another change because yeah. you're going through them. Yeah. But your identity is completely being healed. Yeah. And your divine identity is being established. Once that happens, then there's there's no end to the potential that's going to be released in a church. Yeah. I mean, my gosh. Yeah. Your church is amazing. Well, God's God's doing something it. special right now, that's for sure. And we're glad you're you're sowing into it. Um, one of the things that probably touches my heart more than anything uh, is seeing the gift of the prophetic um, moving in in the church. Because what it says to me, like like here you are, you come into our church, you don't know a soul hardly, um, and uh, and when the Holy Spirit speaks to you about you know Matthew there who you've never met, and you just start sharing basically what the Lord is telling you about him. Yeah. And then you see someone just break down and begin weeping because uh, their heart has been laid wide open. <clears throat> I can't think of a more powerful picture of the love of the Father for us, Yeah. the intimacy of God, the, the perfect knowledge God has of every situation of our lives. <clears throat> and when that gift is moving, um, I'm usually just sitting there crying through the whole service because I'm just... I'm amazed at the f amazing father God is. Yeah. And and that's something. How would you talk a, talk a little bit about the restoration of prophetic ministry and maybe we can even get into some practical cuz I know I know there are those whose uh major, you know, like fivefold gifting is prophetic. They may be moving the in the office of a of a prophet. Then there are those who move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And of course, we're all full of the Holy Spirit as we're baptized in the Spirit. So we're all uh, prophetic to that degree. In other words, the potential for us to hear God's voice and to speak it is there. But unpackage that a little bit, because um, another gift I've seen you you know, really move in with great accuracy is just hearing God's voice and speaking uh, over people, the, the, really the destiny in the heart of God at that moment. Yeah. Um, Share about how did, did that did that gift begin operating in you almost naturally as a as a young teenager when you're saved? Was that something you've cultivated uh, as you've walked with God? You know, get practical with that for us, maybe. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, Seventeen years old, uh, I I started having I don't know what the exact wording is, but I started knowing things. Mm -hmm. Like when I'd be talking to somebody, I would just know it. And then I would bring it up and I would say, yeah, absolutely, that happened, this, that, that. you know, so so then when we started a church, uh, I was kind of put in charge of of all the deliverance of the church mm -hmm. at 18 years old, which no one should be <laughs> yeah, put in that Talk position. about a baptism no, no with one. fire. <laughs> yeah, no one, no one. <laughs> And I was preaching, and I was ministering three or four times a week to different individuals, uh, hours and hours. We would be back there, and, and in those sessions uh, is where all of the gifts began to flow and where really I, I began to kind of figure out that how, what comes from the soul, what comes from the spirit, what is really, you know, the voice of God about something and what is just my head and things like that. 
all started to kind of clear up be, by the fruit of of what was going yeah. on. And uh, and then I just have always maintained the flow of that, whether I'm in church or out of church. Mm-hmm. I don't just do don't flow in the Holy Spirit just in church. Yeah. I flow on the airplanes. I flow when I'm at a restaurant, wherever. I just flow. Mm-hmm. I never let it stop. I'm just mm-hmm. always doing it to try to get someone saved, to get someone healed, to get someone delivered. Right. You know, so, it's so a lifestyle. Have... It's it's right. the thing that people <clears throat> keep that to the church, and it's a big mistake. Right, because really the the gifts of the Spirit were meant to be supernatural tools we have. Yeah. To reach people, lost people, yeah. and to see them healed and restored. Uh, just for those who are watching, you know, we've had a massive influx of folks from all different denominations into our church, as you know. And so I spend a lot of time trying to say, hey, this. let me explain what just happened. Um, and so when people see the gifts of the Holy Spirit, one dear lady, uh, bless her heart, I, I, she shared this at one of our starting point classes, and it made me laugh on the one hand, but it, but then it broke my heart on the other. She, she said... Um, until we came to Living Stones, I didn't know the Holy Spirit went to church. That, that's what she said. Wow. Because he was never talked about. He was never, there was no emphasis about him. There right. was no acknowledgement of his presence or, or anything, no teaching about who he was and, and what he did. And, um, and so when you're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you're talking about, first of all, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, which really, as he's living in us in a power, and operating in a powerful way, he brings with him those gifts that a lot of churches say don't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, but they do exist wherever the Holy Spirit's yeah. loved and honored and, and is celebrated. Absolutely. Yes, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the diving board. That's where everything is developed, you know, when yeah. you pray in your spirit language. Uh, and for me, I got saved 17. About two, two months later, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit at home reading a book. And at that point, my prayer life changed. So I went from talking to God as much as I could in English and just however yeah. uh, to praying for up to six hours a day. Uh, I was very radical as a young man and and because ra- radical in the sense of dedicated to something made all the difference. It formed me into a minister without mm-hmm. me knowing. And I prayed that that long for about three years, but it was just for my wife. Okay. I mean, for my uh, mother. Okay. To get her saved. That's really what it was about. And I just said, Lord, I'm just going to stay on my knees till my mother gets saved. Well, it took three years. Wow. You know, I said, I'm going to bombard the the throne of, of heaven for her soul. I cannot have my mother not go to heaven. And so I just said, I'm just going to do this. and And I just did it. You know, and I'm not taking credit. God did it, but prayer changes things around the person you're praying for. It opens them to hear the Holy Spirit and removes the demonic forces from influencing them. Yeah. One of the powers of prayer. And then one day I came home to visit her, and she came out, and she hadn't really spoken to me in about three years uh, since I became a Christian. Uh, and, and, and then she said to me, what she would let me do is hug her and just hold her. And a lot of times I would cry on her, just start crying because my, I was so, you know, when you pray for somebody for that long, I mean, you really connect, you know, and I had so much love for her. Yeah. And, and then she says, when she came out, she said, okay, 
I need you to tell me about him. Because the only time I sleep is when you cry on me. This wonderful warmth comes over me and this peace. And the last time, I had three days of the most beautiful sleep, and I could feel whatever it was you gave me when you hugged me. And I'm realizing you have something that I want. And so, you know, I got to lead her to Jesus. Wow. And then uh, she got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and, and then she just, oh, my gosh, such a miracle. And all my brothers and sisters like dominoes, you know. But you were not really, uh, I guess, one of the blessings is you were not raised as a religious kid. So when you encountered Jesus in the supernatural, that was not like a big stretch for you. You were, you were just like, this is amazing. Yeah, and, I mean, I was raised as a Catholic. Okay. And I went to church all, since I can remember, Catholic church. Uh, And in there, I did know that God was supernatural. Mm -hmm. I also knew that God was real. And those are the things I kind of got from that. And and there was a respect, even though it was all kinds of twisted stuff. There was a real respect for God that my family had, even though they were unsaved and sinners and things like that, they always respected that. And so I always had that. I talked to God since I was six years old every day. It was just twisted, twisted talk. Yeah. Like when I was young, I used to like to uh, shoot birds with my slingshot. <laughs> and then I got a BB gun for one Christmas, and then one day I shot 21 birds. <laughs> and on that day, I came home and I said, God, I know you're going to kill me. <laughs> because I am a serial killer of birds. <laughs> because I shot this poor little sparrow when he was hanging from the oh. wire. And, and and it was like a nightmare. I started having nightmares oh, about yeah. it. And God's going to kill me. So I began to pray a prayer every day. And I said, Lord, please don't kill me till 5 o'clock. <laughs> Why 5 o'clock? I just wanted to live that long. <laughs> and so every day I would stand in front of the clock at five o'clock, ready to just drop dead. And then when one second passed, I knew I had another day. (laughs) Honestly, this is how I lived and how I thought of God. Wow. Because I had some radical authoritarian uh, conflicts with some nuns and things. Yeah. Yeah. And and my grandmother was very, very loving and very violent, both. Both extremes. Yeah. If somebody did something wrong, in her restaurant, she would get a tortilla roller, tap him on the shoulder, hit him across the nose, oh, and beat him unconscious. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> Call the police, who were her brothers, and they would come and drag him to, to, to jail. She never got in trouble. She had, wow. seven, I think, seven brothers that were all policemen. Wow. Yeah, so I saw many people dragged out of her restaurant, <laughs> uh, men and women, both. That she just knocked out. And this is this is the the mama that you wept my grandmother. Your, my grandmother, not my mother. My mama, okay. My grand my mother weighed hundred pounds. My grandmother was two hundred and fifty pounds. Okay, <laughs> and she could knock you out because she raised with brothers. She knew how to fight. Yeah, yeah. And I saw her many times knock out my grandfather, knock out people, just hit them, bam. You know, and and that formed in me an idea that God must be this way. If you do bad, you're going to get really beat up. Yeah. Or even killed. Yeah. And uh, so I got saved when I read 1 Corinthians 13. The love chapter. Yeah, somebody gave me that, and it changed my life. Wow. It changed my life. And I, I just got saved at that point, 
and just said, wow, this is like, uh, this is, I cried for three hours because I didn't realize, you know, how amazing God truly is in his love. Love then became the theme of my life. And once you make love, unconditional love, the theme of your life, then all the doors begin to open to your destiny. They open for you. You don't have to open them. Mm. They open for you because you're walking in love. And, and that's how all the people got saved. That's how my ministry was born as a young man and has gone on for all these years. It's simply love. I mean, no matter how somebody treats you, you just got to love them. And that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. And I think I'm reminded of a, of a wonderful book. I want to give a plug here for uh, one of Ivan's books, Letters from God. It could be called Love Letters from God because um, yeah. really when you when you read this every every day of the year, uh, there's a scripture verse and, and really a, a heart gush. Um, because everything that you say in here is biblical, and it's 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 rooted in the, the scriptures. But it's it's a, it's like a personal a personal kiss from the Lord. And yeah. I, I can't tell you how many uh, folks, and especially the men that I disciple, <clears throat> have a copy of this, read it in the morning for their devotions, yeah. and are taking pictures of the yeah. of the paragraph. As you can see here, it's not long long reading. It's a nugget. Uh, but they'll take a picture of that and they'll share it and they'll say, wow, look at what God spoke to my heart this morning. Talk about the idea behind this and just... Yeah. So Letters from God is the way I got that. I was just praying about it and um, I said, Lord, what do you want me to write? What happened was I had been working on a book called How to Love Ugly and Difficult People for four <laughs> years. And I carried the book in my in my satchel everywhere I went. I never let it out of my sight. I want to say how to love ugly and difficult people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a topic that I think everybody can relate to. Yeah, yeah. And so I was working on that. I went to Guatemala to the orphanage and we went to a soccer game. We parked right there. The soccer field is there. Somebody broke in, took my luggage and took my bag. Oh man. And it was lost. This was four a years written of work, manuscript. Written, handwritten, four years of work. And so I was at home and my, uh, sitting there with my wife, and I was like, "Wow, I, I don't know what I, I don't know how I'm feeling right now." And she said, "Look, why don't you turn it into a seed, just sow that into the spirit and see what comes out." I sowed that, and I got the idea for letters from God. Wow, you know, and I wrote that in about a year, and basically I wrote that book on my knees. I didn't have to edit it or change anything. One thing for each thing. That's 365 letters from God. Yeah. And honestly, that book has healed thousands of people around the world. Yeah. They are sending that all over the world. I mean, I go on airplanes and I see the book in people's hands. Yeah. How can they get this? I know they could come to our church and be a part of your meetings, and I yeah. know you sold sold out, but if, yeah. if they're not here or they're watching online, how well, do they get Well, you could this? go to my app, Ivan Tate, put it in your app app uh, uh, on your phone, spell T-A-I-T, you can get it from the store there. You can go to the website, whatmattersmm.org. You can go to Amazon. You can go to Kindle. You can go to iBooks. Anywhere books are sold, those books, that book is there as well as a lot of other ones. But yeah. but that one, uh, that's a healing book. Yeah. And a yeah. lot of your your books, 
uh, really deal with getting people's hearts restored and healed. Yeah. I think that's a real uh, gift God has, has graced you with. So if you're listening to this podcast uh, and you're in need of some heart healing, I encourage you to check out the many, many resources that, that Ivan has. Uh, and again, a lot of our people have been immersed in, in uh, the books and experiencing tremendous breakthrough. Um, yeah. So that, that's that's my little recommendation there. I think we're out of time on our podcast today, but I, I want to thank you, Brother Ivan, for your, your time and for your investment in, in the lives of our people. And I know as we introduce you to many more people, uh, uh, you're going to really enjoy uh, this man and his ministry and what God's doing through him. I encourage you, too, to check out what's going on at these amazing uh, orphanages and being a part of that. There's a lot of ways you can be a part practically in investing and adopting uh, one of these children and making a huge impact in their lives. So thank you so much for being with us. And uh, would you would you close us out in prayer, just asking uh, for uh, a fresh move of the Holy Spirit in, in America uh, over people who might be watching, just however the Lord leads you, yeah. but, but close in prayer for us if you would. Yeah, and I just wanted to say thank you for having me uh, on the Ron Johnson Discipleship broadcast. You did that so well. Uh, we might have to have a lead-in, like a recorded lead-in. Let's talk about that. I don't know. We might have to pay big bucks to get that to happen, but, but you did a great job. Yeah. Well, Lord, thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to go out now into the living rooms or wherever people are listening to the uh, podcast. I ask you to go and touch them from their head to their feet, all the organs of their body, those that are brokenhearted. Would you heal those broken hearts, Lord, everybody who's struggling in their marriage, would you stretch your hand out right now, Lord, and go heal those marriages? Everybody that's concerned about their children, would you go and rescue those children from alcohol, from drugs, from atheism, from sexual immorality, from all forms of bondage? Would you save all the relatives of all the people that are listening, Lord? Get them all born again, that every single member of yes. their family related to them by blood will get saved and born again. Will you just, God, right now, answer the prayers of all the people that are in pain right now, emotional pain and physical pain, everybody that's got cancer, everybody with uh, problems of their digestive system, all the people that have thyroid issues, everybody who has eyesight and hearing problems, everybody, God, that has any disease in their body, we agree together right now and curse that disease in the name of Jesus, and we speak that it will dry up inside their body Amen. and be eliminated from their body and that they will have a testimony of being healed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless this podcast. Multiply it into the millions in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you, Lord, today for this beautiful opportunity to serve you and share and talk about the good news in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, and I'm believing, as we've agreed in prayer, that the Lord has met you in a special way. Contact us. Share your testimony. What's God doing? Uh, and share this podcast far and wide with your friends and neighbors. And as always, we'll look forward to getting together with you next Thursday. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.